welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, well, good morning and welcome to this session. Uh, My name is Bill G. I'm a recovering sexaholic from Lincoln, Nebraska. And my co-leader is uh, Keith N. from Galway, Ireland. And I've gotten to know Keith a little bit, and it's great to to get to know him. That's one of the advantages of these conventions. Uh, The topic we're going to be sharing on is um, Tradition 11, How Program Attractive Are You? And I like that the way that they phrased that in the things. Please turn off all electronics. Do not record any of this session, although it is being recorded um, for the um, for the audio. Anyway, uh, let's begin. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, we, to carry this message, this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. Uh, if you do need, if you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting or to talk with any of us after the um, after the session. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us at the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it unless uh, because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. Let's begin with a moment of silence for those who are still suffering or unable to attend this meeting and to invite God to this meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. Again, our topic is Tradition 11, How Program Attractive Are You? Uh, We will share for uh, five or six minutes about how this topic applies to our lives, then we want to open up this meeting for all of you to share. Uh, You'll have... We don't have a whole lot of folks here, so I think we can go at least to, you know, three or four minutes. I'm not sure we're going to be really time conscious about that, uh, so don't worry about it. Um, so, uh, so we each are going to be sharing a little bit. Do you want to go first? Or you want me? I don't know. I'm going to go. <laughs> Uh, I looked at the traditions this morning, and there I realized there were some things there, and this is in the 12 and 12 of, um, um, you know, so we can go back to the original literature and, and uh, just highlight a couple of things. Um, our, and then, of course, Tradition 11 is our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Uh, one of the things that I always uh, thought was interesting, if you look at the um, third edition, it stops there. Uh, third edition of AA, big book. Um, and then they added TV. And I think if they were rewriting it for the fifth edition, they probably would add, add the Internet. And uh, so I think that maintaining our anonymity on the on the Internet. And I've been in meetings where people have been concerned about, you know, what do we do on Facebook and, and all of that kind of stuff, which is a whole other kind of con- uh, conversation. Um 
And then it talked about um, how being in the public eye is hazardous, especially for all of us. And I was thinking about uh, in the AA world of Philip Seymour Hoffman, who, as you, as you may know, was um, very um, big in the New York AA scene. He had been sober for many, many years. He um, was sponsoring folks, um, and yet he had a relapse, and he um, became suicidal and killed himself. So I think that anonymity is very, very important. Um, and that's half of the of what the tradition is about, that anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and TV. Um, and for, the, for AA, it, they talked about we refu- refuse all personal publicity, and we publicize the principles of AA, not its work, uh, not the work of the individual members. So um, the, the tradition, the way it ends is the tradition is a constant and practical reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. In it, each member becomes an active guardian of our fellowship. Um, as I said, I'm from Nebraska. I've been involved in the program for about, about uh, 12 years now. I've been doing various service work. And so then the other aspect of that, the attraction rather than promotion for me, comes into play. Because how do we uh, grow our uh, fellowship? When we came in, when I came into the program, there were maybe six of us um, sitting around, maybe five, four, you know, whatever. It was a small meeting. We had two meetings a week, and that was it. Uh, and that was in 2006. Um, but gradually, by uh, getting the meeting, getting the message out, and that kind of stuff, by having some uh, really dedicated folks, including one who's uh, sitting in the second row over here. Um, that we, that who started meetings, including, you know, a 7 a.m. meeting, a strip across, uh, every weekday. Um, and then there, they started a, a weekday, um, noon meeting downtown. Uh, and I know that for some of those guys, they were sitting there for, alone for, you know, for them several months until people started coming. Um, but they were there, and they realized that sacred duty. If you start a meeting, you've got to you've got to continue it going. Um, we've also done some things like um, uh, we've re- re- well, and we've got fourteen meetings. I think it is now that are meeting in Lincoln each week, and our uh, fellowship has grown to maybe thirty five or 40, 40 folks. That's, you know, that's okay for a small town, relatively small town. We've reached out to um, counselors primarily. Um, send a mailing out um, to them, and that's and we don't try and claim in that mailing. As you look at the, um, if you look at the brochure which uh, S, which Seiko has put out, which is towards the helping professionals, we included that in their thing as well as and then our just a meeting list. And we basically said in the cover letter, we're here. We don't claim to be everything. We don't claim to be the answer for everything for everybody that you're dealing with, but we might be a resource for you and we'd like you to be aware of when our meetings are. That's the attraction, it seems to me, rather than the promotion. If we were into promotion, we would be doing saying, we're the best thing that's ever happened um, in the sexaholic world. Um, I used to work for Nebraska Public Television and that same sort of thing went on with there. How do you underwrite without being in advertising? And so I, I think about it in those kinds of terms as well, too. Um, and yet... Keith had pointed out to me when we were talking about how we talk about this, that the way that they have phrased this um, uh, tradition is how program attractive am I? And if for me that brings me that brought me back right back to the literature, which says which says that in many places, 
if we don't have sobriety, we don't have anything to offer. I know that when I came into the program, um, I didn't want to be an addict. Um, I didn't want to be identified. I didn't want to identify myself as an addict. And so, um, but when they, in our, in our fellowship, what we do, when a newcomer comes in, we ask two volunteers to take them out of the room and to just, you know, tell their own stories to them, um, a little bit like Bill and Bob did in the, uh, some of the hospital encounters and that kind of thing, you know, to meet them at their level and find out what's going on with them. Um, we talk about how we knew, or they, they talked about when I was the newcomer and they talked to me about how they knew they were addicts. They said that if I, I've tried to stop and I couldn't, and I can't predict how long it, what will happen when I start my um, acting out sessions, I can't predict where it's taken me. That's those are the things that told me that I was an addict, and that made sense to me. Um, and they then said, I mean, it, one of the things that I learned later was that it's impossible to do the first step unless you know there's a second, and a third, and a fourth. I can't admit that I am totally insane unless I know there's a hope for recovery. And so how program attractive I am, that starts with whether or not I'm sober. If I'm not sober, I don't have much to offer anybody else. Um, and I made decisions about where to go to a meeting because I happened to be, you know, for a while I was one of the, you know, I uh, well, I had six years of sobriety and then got crazy and gave back six years of chips. And now I have four more years of sobriety now. I'm very, very grateful for that because it taught me how it taught me how um, self righteous I was and that kind of thing. So, at any rate, those are kind of my thoughts to get this uh, going. We're enough that we can, you know, whatever you guys want to take that discussion, and then Keith has his own. I'll turn it over to Keith. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks very much, Bill. I'm Keith, I'm a sexaholic from Ireland. Thank you. There are sexaholics in Ireland. I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Bill. And it's nice to have met you. And uh, yeah, I liked the, um, you know, the email contact before the convention to arrange uh, some kind of a discussion, you know, to meet each other. We wouldn't be just be meeting here the first time. Um. I'm I'm a little nervous, um, and um, my sponsor suggested I ask my higher power just to, you know, help me to say what I need to say, and that's it. Just hand it over. I don't have all the answers. Um, far from it. I'm really grateful, and I was, um, you know, when Bill, I'll probably it's a good job. I have tissues and I have water. <clears throat> Bill said, he, you know, it's six years. I've six years today. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, just lots of gratitude. Um, uh, if I can... Um, Anyway, if I if I try not to overthink things, I, I found this topic. I was um, I was late registering, and I put my name down to share. And when they someone came back to me, and um, they gave me some options, and uh, um, I was a bit manipulative. I couldn't resist. I said, oh, "My anniversary is today. I'd like to share 
on this topic. Um, and uh, um, so I got, I, you know, I, I felt, uh, well, I felt kind of, I wanted to do that, you know. And uh, so here I am. <laughs> uh, so the, the, you know, what struck me first about the topic was not, so, you know, how program attractive am I? And today I feel like I do have something um, uh, I do have I do have a message and a message of hope and I have a lot of joy and laughter um, you know I have a I have a lot of connection especially connection with members and members I've met here for the first time and it's like you know we're just friends now and uh, you know grateful for those things and um, uh I love meeting new people, um, you know, and I can see the the possibilities in it. You know, the the you know, I've I've discovered things in myself that I would not have discovered ever on my own with all the self will and self determination. But it's like a a revealing or something, and something happens, and I realize, oh, I can do. I'm I, I'm capable of doing this. I can do this, and. Um, So it's an ongoing, you know, as, as somebody said to me this morning, you know, it just gets better by staying sober, working the steps, you know, sponsor, getting into service, you know, even, you know, trying out that bit of service that I'm fearful of doing, but knowing that I, I'm not doing it alone, alone, I have support, I can always reach out, you know, if it's too much, I can say it's too much, you can ask for help. And this thing about, um, uh, you know, any, you know, anything I'm saying is my, my opinions and everything. I'm here from, from, um, from the EMA region and I was in the GDA. It was my first experience and it was fantastic and this whole convention. And, you know, at the decisions that are made at, at, at group level, you know, and up, all up along are, are a group, group's decision. They're not an individual thing. And, um, you know, we're not out to, I'm not out to tell someone what to do. Um, I've no right to, like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's good for myself, never mind anybody else, but I find it difficult, um, sometimes that I think I know. And, um, so my sponsor's great at asking me questions and it used to really drive me crazy, but he, <laughs> You know, and he pulls himself back time and time again. You know, I, oh, I'll, I'll stop that. I'll just ask you a question. And um, I find that amazing. So I try. I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress there. Um, I have a sponsee, and he's, his life is unbelievable. Um, so this this like attraction, you know, what is this thing? You know, like I was thinking, this this you know program attractive are you? It's on at eight thirty on Sunday morning. Most most people are gone home, but then I thought, well, it's recorded. You know, maybe maybe there's a whole load of people out there that are going to be attracted to hear this. You know, but I I didn't get many meetings over the weekend because it was like 
you know the 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 GTA was um, you know a lot of concentration. I got one meeting, full meeting that was a kind of a, a convention thing that I'm interested in, and you, you better keep an eye on the time because once I get going, <laughs> but. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so what was happening to me is I'd, I'd have an intention to go here somewhere and I'd meet somebody. And, uh, you know, I'd strike up a conversation. And a lot of the time, those conversations were going to, into, you know, they were, they were going places. Like there was something happening. It was like that power of attraction. We were just attracted to each other. And um, it's like this sort of, you know, I don't know, I don't really know what that is. But if I leave myself being open to this sort of power that's there, whether I want to call it the power of love, the power of my higher power, the power of attraction, things can happen. But if I'm going around trying to make that happen, it's going to be a disaster. Um, well, it mightn't be a disaster, but it'll be a lot of stress and won't be... Well, yeah, you know, uh, you know just meet, meeting amazing, amazing encounters and... Uh, um, so that's that's that was one thought I had. Uh, I did write down a few. Oh, I heard I heard um, uh, a thing just when we were, we were leaving that this. Um, well, this was somebody else's thought. Like, and if I if I repeated it, it won't. It, it's not the same. So I'm not going to bother. Uh, it was like um, I'll read one thing. I, I like this from discovering the principles that I wrote down. <laughs> And uh, I'll finish on this. We believe that above all, our developing love for one another, grounded in our sobriety, tested through our victory, tested through our defects and purified through victory over them, will be the force of attraction that ultimately will bring the suffering sexaholic of the world to our doors in God's time. And I think that pretty much sort of sums it up and what Bill was saying you know to making contacts in the relevant areas um, you know doctors counsellors and all that great but really you know like I don't know how I ended up in SA really you know how did it happen I really you know um, I can't really remember how I got to my first meeting but that there's some sort of power of attraction and it's not for you know SA is not for everybody there's more people that have come in this door than there have that people have stayed and you know I don't know what I don't know what that is you know I really don't um, all I know is that my experience is that this works and it works for me and I would love to um impart uh, what I have received in this to somebody else. And uh, that's it. I'll leave it at that. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.
Okay, you now have the opportunity to uh, share with this group uh, to direct this meeting. I encourage you to come up here. There's an on deck and then a, a chair for who, the person who shares. Please focus on the topic of this meeting, which again is Tradition 11, how program attractive are you? Uh, like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic, avoiding explicit dis- description or distracting comments and focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Do not share anything that is legally we would have to report to the authorities. Please line up at our, uh, my left, uh, so that you don't have to wait for the next person to, we don't have to wait for the next person to come up. Please speak loud. Come on, come on, come on. Get up here. Uh, loud enough for all of you to hear and work uh, closely to the mic, if you would. And um, I'm going to set the timer for four minutes, but uh, that's not a big deal. So, anyway. Morning. My name's Steve. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hey, Steve. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'd like to share a little story with you. Um, and uh, first, I'm going to start off by saying that uh, my experience is is that uh, God is the one that, that makes the introductions. And uh, is, is uh, uh, Kevin? Keith. Keith. Keith, Keith, sorry. Keith was saying that, um, you know, if I try to force it, it's not going to work out. I'm going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be uncomfortable. Um, uh, you know, not much will transpire. You know, maybe something will happen, but uh, it, it doesn't flow, I guess, is the best way to say it. Uh, an example I had early on in the program, in the late 80s, uh, when I first got in the program, our home group, a third of the group were women. And that's never happened again in the, in, in the history of St. Louis uh, SA. And, uh, and we had probably 15 members. So, you know, five of the, five of the group were women. And uh, it was the most, it was the, to me, it was just, it was, it was good. Uh, it helped me to see women in a different light, uh, to experience them at an SA meeting, and then go out afterwards as a group. Uh, and just have good, clean fun. And uh, since that experience, I've had, you talk with other members too, and it's like, well, you know, is there a way we can attract, you know, everybody, but, you know, possibly women? And maybe they want to start their own group. I'm not saying that necessarily has to be men and women. And uh, uh, the answer always came back is that's not our responsibility. That's God's. And, um, you know, we even considered, uh, you know, different ways to promote, but not to promote. In other words, to get the word out with, uh, counselors, you know, in a more, maybe a, a more overt way. And, and we came to the conclusion that's not our job. Our job is to, is to, to be, to use the principles of the program, be anonymous, uh, to not list our meetings in public places. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my home group is the only open meeting in St. Louis. We've got, uh, I don't know. 15 different different meetings, and we're the only open meeting. Um, so uh, I've learned over the years that that God is in control. My sobriety, my program, and also SA as a group, as it applies here in St. Louis, and that if when I try to manipulate that or to change that, it doesn't work out. And uh, so I just leave that in God's hands, and I'm very grateful to be able to do that because it takes a big load off my shoulders. That I'll pass. Thanks, Dave. Maybe I'm going to jump in here. One of one of the things, by the way, that we did um, at Harvey's suggestion, because one of our um, members was being sponsored by Harvey, um, we have some women who came into our groups as well too, and he suggested one of the ways to support those women was to take up a special collection that was. Um, to allow the, the women members to come to these uh, conventions, in order to find other women members uh, to get a little more comfortable with them in the in the uh, thing and um, or in the uh, fellowship, 
and also to find sponsors because you know it's a chicken and egg problem how do you find how do you get somebody sober if you don't have somebody who's already sober to sponsor them that kind of thing and so um there are three women who are from our fellowship who are here for at this convention that we paid their um, we paid their convention registration and their hotel, and they need to uh, find a way to get here. So, you know, they have their own investment in it as well, too. But that's one of the ways that, that Harvey had uh, suggested that we do that, that we attract um, and support those women who have already been attracted and come in uh, for their own reasons that God has brought them to them. So, Levi. Hey, I'm Levi, sexaholic. Hey, Levi. I'm from Kearney, Nebraska. My sobriety date is July 20th of last year. And um, I want to talk about uh, the, my first my first essay meeting. So my therapist sent me to an essay meeting. Um, uh, sorry. My, my therapist sent me to an essay meeting, and I showed up, and there's one guy sitting there. And uh, he didn't talk much about sobriety. Um, he didn't really talk much about his story at all. Um, he just talked about the principles of the program. Um, and uh, I got got involved in a phone meeting. That's another thing that Nebraska is doing, I think, is doing a great job of that Lincoln has has uh, kind of pioneered in Nebraska for us. It works to have a lot of phone meetings so that people and scattered across the state can call into the meetings in those, in those areas. And so, um, you know, my... My home group at first was, was kind of in person, Grand Island, which was an hour from my house, and then really was the was a morning meeting, on the a morning morning phone meeting, and I got to know guys like Bill and Dave, and um, so it was actually not my first meeting that really attracted was attracting attractive to the program. It's when I started to hear guys on the phone meeting talk about their sobriety and talk about um, you know how it works. Um, and, uh, when I went to the guy in Grand Island and asked, you know, I need some advice. Um, the people he sent me to were these sober guys in Lincoln. And, uh, so one of them ended up being my sponsor. And, uh, so, you know, for me, I, I mean, come to find out later, the guy that was running the meeting in Grand Island wasn't, wasn't sober, which is why he wasn't talking about sobriety. I um, mean, he didn't really ha- I mean, he had a lot of program knowledge, but he didn't really have anything in terms of personal experience of sobriety to share. Um, so then the next part I want to talk about is then, um, is kind of that fine line between promotion and attraction, because, um, I knew calling into the meetings in Lincoln and Lincoln driving to meetings in Grand Island wasn't going to keep me sober. Um, and for me, um, the places my addiction takes me, I, you know, I end up on the front page of the paper and just completely shipwreck my life. Um, uh, so I, uh, I pretty much like at 60 days sober, I asked my sponsor how sober I had to be to get a meeting started in my town. And he said, there's no, there's no, doesn't matter. Just get it started. So I'd, I'd seen in the book and I'd really gotten the impression from the big book from reading the, especially reading the stories, like the old timer stories in the middle of the big book, um, about how, like these people were like sober, like a week and they're like 12 stepping people, you know, and, uh, um, that was the impression that I got anyway. And so I just started calling people, um, calling my friends in church, calling my neighbor, um, and calling pastors and therapists in Kearney. And telling them, you know, if I don't get sober, if I don't stay sober, I'm going to lose my life. Um, Because I I really don't know if I would physically survive losing my family, um, you know, if I would would take my own life or something like that. So um, 
So I'm calling all these people and just telling them I have to find sex drunks if I'm gonna, if I'm going to stay alive. And uh, so what I need from you is to to refer people to me, um, give them my phone number, and we're going to get a meeting started in Carney because I need some sex drunks um, to hang out with. Uh, so I, uh, um, you know, a little while into that, um, the one of the guys, one of the pastors, says to me, "Hey, do you have a place to meet?" And I said, "Not yet." I was kind of figuring God would make one of you guys offer me a place. <laughs> And so he, he he said, yeah, well, we got a place. We've just been waiting to use it for community stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I went, um, yeah, I met with him and told him my whole story. And actually, I learned something from that point was that um, I had stopped believing that God could and would if he were sought. Um, because I, I have been a person of religion, and I have, I've worked in the ministry before. And, um, you know, so I was a paid vocational religious worker, or whatever they call it in the meetings. Um, but so when I was, uh, so he, you know, he pointed that out to me, and the program has taught me um, that if I want to have it, I have to give it away. Um, I can't stay sag stagnant. I have to keep giving it away. And so um, it's really exciting to me um, This at this convention. Um, I came with two, two of my friends from Kearney, and it's really exciting to me to see them, hear them sharing about how they're excited to find more sexaholics, you know, because, they're, because they get it, that um, this is an altruistic program. This is about me becoming happy and useful to God and man. Um, and, uh, that's, that's what's going to, I mean, that's, what's really going to give me, um, the sobriety that I'm looking for. And I'm so, so grateful, um, that God has, uh, done this with just a, you know, a, a crazy sex drunk, just, um, um, and I'm really grateful just to be one of the bozos and, um, you know, that's, that's all I got. Okay. What was the name of your, what's the name? What'd you name your group? So, um, well, my sponsor, for one thing, my spo- my sponsor has taught me to uh, to not listen to the group conscience about the meeting name. So I I named the meeting. Just kidding. <laughs> so because my sponsor kind of played a trick and changed the name of the of the Wednesday night meeting in Lincoln. But um, so <laughs> the, there's a story there. But so I I uh, I sent out a text message to the group, and they're all all really really even newcomer than I am. So they're really newcomers. And this was a couple months ago, and I said, "This is my suggestion. Let's name our group the Bozos on the Big Books Bus." And uh, um, and so that's what we that's what we decided to call it, and uh, that's our Thursday night meeting in Kearney. So, really grateful. I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Steve. Uh, sober since August the fifth, two thousand one. Very grateful to be here. Um, <clears throat> appreciate the um, the topic and the um, the shares. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, one of the things I've been thinking and realizing as uh, I've been listening is we talk often about carrying the message, and I usually slip into this mode of thinking that's about the words uh, that I say. And um, I really think, and I heard one place that like 90% of communication is nonverbal, and the most important way that I carry a message is in my conduct. And um, I carried a message before I came into recovery. It was not a recovery message. Um, when I first came into the rooms, I was watching everyone. 
And, and I mean, <clears throat> sexaholics scan and watch people, but it took me a while to learn that that's not the only thing that makes me scan. I've got PTSD, and people with PTSD scan. Every time somebody walks in the room, they size them up and say, is that guy safe? Is that guy going to hurt me? And, um, and so I was watching everyone. And, and I was judging people, too. And, and, you know, I mean, I learned not to take people's inventory in here, but there was a guy that taught me a lot from AA, and he said, there's a place in the big book where it instructs you to take people's inventory. And I says, come on. And he says, no. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And if I'm going to decide whether I want what you have, I'm going to have to size it up in some way. I'm going to have to look at you and see, do you have what I want? And so um, when I see how much I watch others and to kind of decide whether I want to approach or, you know, run away, um, whether I feel like that's where I'm supposed to be, is that something that I want? Um, I've heard people complain, you know, so you're announcing your sobriety date and you're promoting, and, and it's like, you know, I came here for sobriety. And our primary purpose is about sobriety. So I think it's maybe to be expected that we're going to talk about sobriety in here. Um, Promotion versus attraction for me, whether it's uh, in terms of what the fellowship is doing or what I'm doing personally, I like the, the, the idea about the active guardianship. As much as I watch other people, People, people notice me. People that I don't know, are you know, notice me. I mean, somebody down the street, that, uh, on my, you know, one distant neighbor that I've never met, he probably notices how I keep my yard. You know, um, I can go nuts thinking about that. So, but, but for me, the the message is is that the attraction is about how I act. When nobody's looking or when I don't realize anybody's looking, it's just, it's my conduct. And promotion is when I'm trying to get a result from somebody. I know you're watching and I'm trying to get you to think something about me or I'm trying to get you to think something about something else. And it comes into to God's will versus my will. And um, um, I, 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 I root for things. I want people to get sober. You know, I want people to uh, think well of a fellowship. But, but I think the most important thing about this tradition for me is that, that if I, if I s- keep my attention on my conduct and get it aligned with what God, what I think God wants me to do, like somebody said, you know, God will take care of the introductions. Um, I just need to focus on that. One last thing, and, and I'll close with this. I think it kind of resonates for me. Early in recovery, there was this guy who had one more, one month more sobriety than me. I had like nine months, and he had ten months. And he had like five sponsees, and I had no sponsees. And he, he, uh, you know, nobody had even asked me to sponsor them. And I, um, I judged him. I didn't think he had a very good program. I was like, what the heck are these people asking him? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's something you, one of you guys said to me or, or if it just got into my brain and God kind of just mixed it around right. And I heard my own voice saying, Steve, if you work a program that's attractive to other people, then people will ask 
you to be their sponsor. And, um, and if nobody's asking you, then the problem's not them. And, and, and so I did, I, I listened to that voice, thank God, and it took about, I don't know, another year before a guy asked me to sponsor him. But, um, during that time, I think I, I grew. And, um, to me, the, the whole idea of promotion versus attraction is letting go, uh, or at least not the whole idea, but that's a big part of it is just letting go of the outcome and just focusing on my conduct. And like somebody said, God will take care of the introductions. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. This is a great topic, and uh, that's enough out of me. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. I'm Todd, recovering sexaholic. Hey, Todd. Um, I appreciate the stories from, from Levi and, and discussion from Steve. And and I don't, I don't think I've thought about this uh, a lot. And as I was sitting here thinking about it and listening to some of the other stories, I, I think that that's also appropriate that I don't think about it. And I think Steve kind of talked about it a little bit as well. You know, one of the kind of random thoughts I wrote down listening to this and was that I, I, I need to work the program and everything, right? And that's just for my recovery. Um, you know, I realize that I, I think, I hope, that that uh, that at least when I'm doing it right, that that does um, allow me to be attractive for the program. But that's not the reason I do it, and I, and I think that again, that's appropriate. I need to be doing it because that's what I need to to recover, right? Um, I need to um, when I'm interacting with people, though, and especially people that that come into a meeting or, or even people that don't, um, part of, part of my story is and and showing that how God has a sense of humor is, is this, this, uh, this re- relational, uh, anorexic that, that, uh, didn't know how to relate to anybody, uh, you know, has since been asked to lead men's groups at churches and, and, and things like that. And, and that's just, I guess, uh, again, God's sense of humor and also the miracle of the program. Um, and I, and I first decided, you know, that in everything that I do, whether or not it's at a, at a meeting or, or at a men's group or, or whatever, to use the, the program tools, right? Uh, part of that is just being honest and sharing and being open to listen. And try not to preach, and I, and I certainly have not been perfect at that, um, especially outside the, the programs. When you when I see people, uh, that is another gift of the program uh, that I think others have as well. That you know, it, it, when the when the shades come up, right, and you start peeling back the layers of, of darkness that were over my eyes. You start to see around you, as Steve said, observing people, and you can see, uh, for me at least, for the first time, some of the the brokenness in other people, and and I want them to have what I want, and and I've got I've gotten into the mistake sometimes of almost arguing with them, and I realize that's a mistake. That 
they aren't going to be able to receive it until they're ready, right? And all I can do is, when they are ready, uh, be be willing to be there for them. And up until that point, just to just be honest and and lead with my weakness. Um, and, and that's probably one of my, my last point here is I think my most powerful tool in being attractive is my story because that lets people know and whether or not it's in a meeting or, or anywhere else, um, that, uh, you know, it's okay for them to be honest back. They may not be. You know, they may not be at that point and ready for that. Um, but, but that it's okay and be willing to, to just listen, um, and, uh, and meet them where they're at. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. We've got about 10 minutes left, so come on up. Robert, recovered sexaholic. Hey, Robert. August 2nd, 2000. Um, how program attractive am I? I think sprinkled throughout all our literature, this is a, 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 a topic that is kind of maybe not clear, but this, this is what I mean. Uh, how attractive am I? How attractive is my program? How how serene am I? How courageous am I? How wise am I? Um, does my desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober? How obvious is that to to anybody? Um, you know, my sobriety is dependent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. What is my spiritual condition today? Have I, have I, have I intentionally sought through prayer and meditation to connect with my higher power? Um, how, cl- how close am I to my higher power? How, how close is my higher power to me? Uh, I, I think, and how, 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 how am I, Am I wallowing in the bondage of self? Am I? I think the answers to all those questions um, kind of reveal to me, well, no. I think, I think all that is attractive, right? Serene, courageous, um, um, re- releasing for the bondage of bondage of self and so i guess that's what i have for today thank you thank you Robert. come on up okay i'm luke i'm a sexaholic okay um i just thought i would say something since um i was a newcomer not that long ago, so like um, within the past year. And I think what really made me stay um, after I first came was that I I had so much built up 
um, shame from the double life that I had been living for so long that finally coming to some space where I could just talk about all of it and not be judged for any of it is why I stayed. That there was no other place other than an SA room where I could talk about all of it and and not feel like the guy next to me was judging me for it. So just keeping, I, I don't know what it is about SA that maintains that, but however, whatever we can do to maintain that is what I think um, would help me and others like me. That's all I had. Thank you. Thank you. Nature and silence abhors a vacuum. Come on up here. Or if not, you're going to listen to me. Um, one of the things that I was trying to find there was um, one of the, thing, the other ideas that came to it. Maybe this can sponsor or can uh, foster a little bit more uh, discussion. But um, one of the real good resources that the that Seiko has put out is the um, group inventory guidelines. It's a pamphlet that they put out that you look at, and uh, again, it's on the the level of making your group attractive. Um, and we, what we did in that was we took that and we actually took the questions and split it up into, I think, maybe four different groups. So it was like three questions. And one week we would uh, send a, a sheet around to all of the members, you know, who came to the meeting on the Sunday night meeting, which is our main home meeting. And by the way, that is a big book study meeting. We go through the white book and the, and the big book in order. I mean, we just each week we read every paragraph and then talk about it. And so we work through that main, the main literature in that, in that meeting. But what we did was then uh, passed out, rather than doing the readings, we passed out the uh, sheets and asked them to, to fill them out and to come back and, and hand them in the next week. And then we tabulated those results and, and found out, you know, how we were doing. Were we, did people think, feel like we were focusing on the solution, for instance? Did we foster a, a um, uh, a, a, a sense of that that sobriety is important within the meeting. You know, um, I'm trying. I was trying to look for the for the brochure in some. I've put it somewhere, and so I'm kind of trying to do this from a little bit from memory. But there are some really good um, points. So, um, how strong are your meetings? You know, um, is it a bitch session? Um, I've been in. I've gone to other meetings in other places where. People go around uh, and just say, and they do top plate. And I hate that word. I mean, that's just my my own thing. But um, you know, a top plate discussion of here's the latest thing that is one of, that's driving me nuts. There wasn't much sobriety in that room, and imagine that. Um, so anyway, um, I would encourage you that. Um, how so? Let's let me open that back up to you. How uh, how attractive are your meetings? Steve, a sexaholic. Steve, hey, buddy. Uh, my sobriety anniversary, I forgot to mention, was February 5th of 95. Um, good point. And uh, one thing that I've tried to uh, lead on in our home group without being a leader, so to speak, uh, and not uh, violating the tradition, um, is to stick to structure of a, a very structured meeting, 
Um, we share for three minutes. We have a timer. Um, and if somebody new comes in, and oftentimes it's guys from other meetings that come in and, and do the top plate, uh, I gently tell them after the meeting that, uh, you know, our focus is on solution. If I've struggled with something during the day, I can truly bring that out, but I need to offer a solution of how I dealt with it. And uh, uh, I think that I know that has really helped our group because we have a, a lot of long-term sobriety. And uh, gone to other meetings, I, I just, it, it, it's hard for me. But I think that's part of my 12-step work is to say, guys, you know, you might want to fo focus on the solution. You might want to structure the meeting as the big book defines, or at least close to it anyway. Because um, I, I found over the years that things tend to deviate if if there isn't uh, long term sobriety in that group. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. We have time for maybe one more. Please, you don't want to hear me again. Hi, I'm Roger, a grateful recovering sexaholic. Thanks, Roger. On the same subject about meetings and people focusing on the problem, not the solution. Um, I go to a number of different meetings, and one of the meetings over the years has changed from a really healthy meeting with a number of people with long-term sobriety to a meeting with a few of those people still going. But um, for geographic reasons, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the closer meetings, but it's still a great distance for me. Anyhow, they formed another meeting, which is inconvenient for me, but I'm on phone meetings a lot more now. It's just I expressed my, um, in a group conscience, different times how I felt that meeting was going. And people who were sober in that meeting, I don't think they heard me. And different times we've heard people share that if a meeting's not working for you, find a different meeting or start a different meeting. And for me, there's phone meetings and uh, I found phone meetings that were very helpful uh, to not uh, replace face-to-face -face meetings, but uh, to supplement the face-to-face -face meetings that were healthy for me. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Well, thank you all for sharing. Um, anything you heard of this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. I'm not conference approved. Let's all stand and uh, uh, close with the third step prayer. Make a circle.
Well, I mean, in the terms of, I like how they get students with the phrase of the I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve 
by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.